Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, guys? Don't forget to sub to Patreon so that you can see the visuals. Because not only do we have episodes of the podcast, we have exclusive content that nobody else sees on any other apps, behind the scenes, photo shoots, and we're dropping a whole bunch of surprising stuff this year. So if you guys don't want to miss out and you want to be the first to know, go over to our Patreon, www.dumblondunrated.com. Love ya. Is this thing on? All right, gentlemen, coming to main stage next, this is Bunny. Get up there. She's got a tornado of titties coming your way. Get those dollar bills ready. She's got an ass that shakes like Michael J. Fox. So get up there and throw, throw, throw them dollars. Dude, that is fucking iconic. <laughs> What's up, you sexy motherfuckers? Welcome to another episode of Dumb Blonde. Today, my Bubba, our Bubba, our family lovingly calls him Bubba, is in the house today. But you guys might know him as one of the bad boys of country, Mr. Brantley Gilbert. What's up? What's going on, fam? How you doing? I'm good. I like the setup here. This is going to be good. Oh, we got to get you to sign the wall. Everybody that is on the podcast signs the wall. That I can do. Yeah. What are you guys doing in Nashville? So we came up, um, had some studio stuff to do. I actually got a studio put in my bus uh, that'll work at home and then it'll nice. kind of allow me to write with guys in Nashville and do studio work at home. And uh, my producer, Brock, can actually the program we're using he can use my screen and basically run my screen and and run pro tools and everything from nashville while i'm sitting in georgia recording so wow. it'll uh it'll save me some time give me some more time at home with the kids and the yeah. wife ah uh, kids and wife shout out amber we love you she's such a hottie dude my wife is bad so dude that body like come <sighs> on and she's so shy about it too so i'm like I, it just makes me want to see more oh you, yeah you and me <laughs> both i'm telling you i chased my wife around the house like a pit bull with a red thing hanging out no oh, i love that though she's so cute you guys are adorable we're gonna get into your story in a little bit but i did a ton of research on you last night and i learned so much really cool stuff about you that i never even knew and i'm like super excited for my fan base to learn that about you if they don't know it already because some of this shit's like really fucking cool oh thank you well, let's take it back. So you were born in Georgia. Oh, yeah. Grew up in Georgia. And I read that your dad was a pastor. Yeah. So my dad and mom met at a Bible college in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, my mom was raised in Indiana. My dad was raised uh, home in Georgia, where we live now. Um, and they met there. If you met my dad, you wouldn't in a million years think that at one point he was a pastor really is he wild like you oh he's uh yeah he can be a little wild he <laughs> he he's settled down though in the last few years he remarried and and we love his wife her name's Cresha, and she is just the sweetest sweetest woman ever he he 
married really well. Uh, we love her to death. But Shout he's out, uh, he's kind of he put the bottle down too. So uh, he and I both had a little bit of a some bouts with drinking and stuff. But he's was that uh, before I think he's five he became or six years. a pastor or after the drinking? I would imagine both. Oh, if wow, I had to okay. guess, I, my memory's a little hazy, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah, uh, um, yeah he yeah, I think it was something he was working at. I bought a farm in Alabama mm-hmm. at one point that I had for about 10 years. And uh, for most of that time, he was kind of living there, running that farm for me. And it was in the middle. It was between you following Phoenix City and this little town called Pittsview. And there's literally nothing there but Mead Paper Company. I mean, there's just nothing happening. And I think a lot of it was was out of boredom, you know. Right. But, uh, but yeah, he's he's a good time, man. Anybody that knows my dad will tell you, he's, he's funny as hell. He's a trip. I feel like we need more people like that that are pastors, that are sinners too, and that don't try to be like holier than thou and try to like pretend that their life's perfect. Like I feel like people can relate to people who actually slip up and make mistakes and admit to them. Absolutely. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I, I, I trust is hard to come by for me, but me and your husband were talking about this the other day. If 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 I if I'm messing with somebody and they don't have at least one vice, somebody's too squeaky clean. <laughs> Right. I'm definitely not trusting you. Yeah, you no, have for nothing sure. on your record. You've never been to rehab, prison, or war. Yeah. I, I'm not going to trust you with much, nothing. No, I totally understand that. Except for women. We can't do prison and war, right? You don't want, you don't yeah. want your bitches going to prison. No, and have no, gone. no. Being old not. war whores. I don't think my wife would fare well in prison. Well, <laughs> I don't know. She's tough. She is, because, you know, my wife's got the little cute, innocent looking thing going on but i tell you what my wife is a gangster she don't play oh no she doesn't give off like she she's very a hard egg to crack that's yeah, for sure yeah for sure she gives off the vibe of like uh fuck around and find out yeah and she don't pull no punches with me i can promise you i love that yeah she's tough but that you know what i think that's one of the million reasons that i love my wife the way i do mm-hmm. i don't think i could have married a woman that that wasn't strong and hard-headed and stubborn because absolutely i am too but i think both of our both of us are there's two alphas running around in that house. oh yeah for that. same with jay and i so i get it i love that you and jay are the same way how with how he is with me like how you are with your wife i think that's just amazing because a lot of men especially because you're like considered a sex symbol pretty much you know so they want to <laughs> he's like what do i wear to the podcast i was like well you should take your shirt off because all the ladies would love that you know um but no you're like considered a sex symbol so in the industry it's very rare to find men who have that kind of like you know ambiance to them and are still just so proud of their wives and so proud to be married and just always upping their wives so i love that about you for sure I, i'll tell you with, with my wife i mean you, you mentioned it she is hot as fire and I, i'm i'm telling you from the first time i saw her uh she's drop dead gorgeous but man she works hard to be that way too like she is oh, in yeah. the gym she's putting in work i mean it doesn't it, it's 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 hard work there but man, when i when I really think about, you know, my wife and what, what her strengths are, like, I've never seen a better mom. Like, Aww. you know, she, she, and my mom is my, I mean, she's my other, I got three angels and that's, you know, I get my son, I guess four with my son, but my mom and my wife and my two babies and, yeah. uh, you know, my mom's an incredible mom, but Amber, Amber's a freaking rock star, dude, doing what I do for a living, being gone the way I am. And even when I'm home, 
man, sometimes I struggle to detach mm-hmm. and kind of leave the road on the road and right. and vice versa. Um, because for so long, it, this wasn't ever really a job for me. It was, it was life right. from, I mean, it's all I know from, from, you know, when I look back, the only fluid memory I have of life is being on three or four days a week, minimum yeah. home three or four and, uh, you know, having some brief breaks, but really just grinding it out. That's and when I was single, I really didn't ever come home. I, I built a house in my hometown. I just wanted to put a double wide on uh, this little piece of property that, that I bought. But I think I read somewhere that you actually bought that property because you and Amber broke up. <laughs> and it was right down the street from her mom's house. It's three minutes from her mom. <laughs> he didn't say no, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they, uh, I wanted to put a double wide on it. And my manager and, and business manager talked me into into building a house and you know i kind of looked at it and i was like well if i'm building a house i'm gonna make damn sure she has to pass it every time she comes home from college yeah. and comes home from savannah or whatever like i want her to have to drive by that son of a gun and be like mm. it, <laughs> i really wasn't fair you know my wife and i We've got a long history, but we went five years without seeing or speaking to each other. Yeah, let's let's rewind real quick because you talk about your mom being your angel. Um, let's rewind it back to childhood really quick. I did read an article where you said that um, you did start writing music at age 13. Was that inspired by your parents? Did you grow up in a musical household? like, Or how did you know that you wanted to like write music and be a musician? I remember my mom singing in church. It used to kill me because she sang so loud, but. <laughs> she sings like a bird in in her side of the family uh my grandfather was in a, a military band in the navy and um several of her brothers pick and grin and uh so I, I think that's that's probably the musical side of the family just in your blood mm-hmm. but uh it was strange for me starting out i you know a lot of people when they start learning guitar they start learning other people's songs and that was something that i did in the very beginning but I always had this this thing where I just wanted to do my own. Right. Like being able to play somebody else's song was cool, and you could pull it out at parties, and you know you had your girl getters and and everything <laughs> else. But for whatever reason, Groupies. I always just felt like, you know, I, I wanted to write my own songs, and that was that was from what I remember, from what my mom says. It's, it started at a, a very early age. She said I used to have a little plastic guitar and. I'd put on shows for an audience of one in my room and stuff. I don't remember any of that. Yeah. But, uh, so I know people are going to hear you say that you don't remember um, a lot of your childhood. And, and that's because you got into like almost in your fatal accident when you were 19. Yeah, I think 19, 20, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was eight o'clock on a Sunday morning. And there's, you know, if if you go around my hometown and listen to different people tell the story, I mean, there's some, some urban legend to it. I feel like I look at some of the things that were said about it, looking back and I, I, I couldn't tell you for true or not. It was one guy said I landed on my feet or something. And I, you hit, you were dry. Were you drunk driving? I probably would not. As far <laughs> Allegedly. as the state of Georgia is concerned, absolutely not. <laughs> it was just a, you know, a reckless driving charge. Right. Um, I was driving recklessly. But no, I, I, to be completely honest, it was 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning. There had been a, a party the night before, and I had a, a little bit of an altercation with one of my best friends in the world. and no. um, I was on my way. He, he tells the story a lot better than I do, but I guess he... Uh, 
he might have been, you know, we were making some bad choices back in the day, and he might have been harboring some, something that I wanted, and he wouldn't give it to me, and uh, didn't want me to have my keys, and apparently I, I ran him out of his own house, and I had a feeling I knew where he was going, so I was I was headed where he went, and um, I, I never made it, but it was uh, it was wild because it was on it was on the road you have to take in my hometown to get to the church I grew up in. And, it was like eight o'clock. Everybody and their brothers driving by, and I had, you know, a case of beer in the truck. I guess there's beer spread all over, all over the road. The the, the one thing I do remember of it is it's, it's so strange looking back. Is it is it's not like I've been diagnosed with this, that, or other. There's but, you know, I'll, I'll sit around and a lot of times when I'm talking with my friends or family, you know, they'll talk about things that they remember so vividly, and it's like they're telling stories in detail and. I, I'm picking up. It's just hard for you. Really, to bits and pieces. So it's, yeah. It's uh, but um, do you damn, think, I lost my train of thought. I no, forgot what the hell I was talking about. Do you think growing up with in a religious household kind of made you rebellious? You know what? That's 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 interesting. Um, I what we were in in church every time the doors were open, mm-hmm. uh, for a long time, um. And that was that was kind of that was where a lot of the, my music started. You know, it was kind of in that environment. And um, something looking back, I, I I appreciate. At the same time, I do think, you know, there was there was a period in my life, probably my early teen years. I don't remember exactly when, but I do remember going to to Panama City, and I got arrested down there for one thing or another and <laughs> I, I love back. how he never incriminates himself right to this <laughs> day buddy. never nah. never incriminating or any of my friends <laughs> we just go to church again we talk about jesus um we love jesus but it's like I, I remember i do remember this i remember coming home and people in my my hometown especially in my friend group i guess but you know my friends that i was close with we grew up playing ball together and and they were good kids i mean we got in a little mischief right but right. i mean nothing nothing crazy but we didn't get arrested either nobody went to jail really right. it was and, just good clean fun right mm-hmm. so I, I remember coming home and there being like this this energy that i was like bad now you know i was like the bad boy nobody mm-hmm. got arrested i got arrested you know in panama city and then uh found myself in handcuffs a couple more times and it it kind of turned into something that you know, you know how small towns work too. Where yeah, like everybody news talks. just gets around, everybody's mm-hmm. talking, all my dirty laundry's out, and I just remember thinking, like, I'm still the same dude that grew up playing ball with y'all's kids. You know what I mean? They're still right. my buddies. I just I, I peed mm-hmm. on a wall. I got in a fight. You know, I got caught. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't do anything. I swear anybody that's else my luck know. too. I was always the bad friend. You, your birthday's two days before mine, and I swear we're ruled by Saturn, and like our life is just a fucking lesson. Like Jelly was telling me some of that that you're into that stuff. Yeah, and that's, that was that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah, no, but, it's so real. Like we're ruled by just karma and rebellion. That's literally what we're ruled by, and that's why I grew up in a extremely strict Southern Pentecostal home. And I was buck wild. I left home by 14. So, and I know just that tightness of religion, it kind of sometimes makes people want to go the other way. So that's why I was asking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and I definitely think that that was probably a contributing factor, but but I do do think there was something just in my nature to this day, knowing what I know now and knowing good and damn well that 
that most of the time I've got good people around me that can give yeah. me great advice and keep me out of shitty situations. But mm-hmm. if you tell me not to do something to this day at 38 years it. old, there's a damn good chance I'm going to do it. Absolutely. I'm the same way. Don't yeah. tell me. If you want me to do something, tell me not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. That will motivate me more to just do it. Um, so let's move forward. Were, were you and Amber um, childhood sweethearts or did you guys meet before you went to college or how did that work? So we met. I was actually working off some community service hours at a church that my cousin who's also like a christian counselor and therapist he's an incredible man um but he was the youth pastor there and i went in and i'd play some songs and stuff and like they'd write off on my hours and um her family went to that church so i I met her at church but i was working off the reason i was there was to work (laughs) off community (laughs) service hours um but I remember seeing her and just being like, who's, we, we grew up. So basically it's, it's the same town. There's a river that divides it. There's some County schools and then there's Jefferson and there's commerce. And back then, uh, Jefferson and commerce was the most heated rivalry. If you ask anybody around our town, that was the most heated rivalry in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you weren't supposed to date across the river. We fought, we painted the bridge. We sabotaged each other's, I mean, you name it. Yeah. It was just a heated rivalry. But there really wasn't anything between the two towns but the Oconee River. Right. And there was a bridge that divided it. And, but it was it was a pretty heated rivalry. And I honestly didn't spend much time across the river, so to speak. Um, but when I met her, when I saw her, like I, I mean, in a weird way, I remember just being like, that is – one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen in my life. And she was, mm-hmm. she was a good bit younger than me. I had graduated. Um, and I remember like talking on the phone with her and stuff until she was 18. And then we, we did the dating thing, but it was always an off and on thing. Right. Um, that really revolved around what kind of trouble I was in and what kind of crowd I was with at the time. And well, you were growing up. Yeah. Figuring and, and out who you were. Yeah, and it was at that age too, man. It was when that that rebellion thing really kicked in, and I'd got to the point. And there were several different chapters in my life where it was like, all right, y'all think I'm a bad boy? I'll show you, bad boy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Um, but I, I did keep some pretty rough company. I was I was doing some things that I knew she wasn't. Like she was raised in a, a really good home too. Yeah. Um, and had never been exposed to some of the things that I was around on a daily basis and some of the people that I was around on a daily basis. And, um, I, I just remember it being off and on. Her mama hated me. Aww. Uh, her daddy and I, when, when he was alive, I remember like showing up there when I was still allowed to pick her up, you know, the, in the early days, uh, I would go and he'd be sitting in his chair and I'd go in and we'd chop it up and we'd talk. But when her mama walked in the room, but he just, he closed down on me. Oh, does um, she still? Does she love you now? Her mama. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Good. We we get along pretty good, so Lee and I. Yeah, I love um, that. But it is crazy to be at the house sometimes because at one point in time it, it was it was somewhere I, I wasn't welcome. Right. You know? 
Look at the growth though. It's right? amazing. And you guys still stuck it out no matter what, you know, even though it was off and on, you guys had something that always brought you guys back together. For sure. Which brings me to, you ended up getting your bachelor's degree in relationship and marriage counseling. Does it say that? It does say that. And I never know what's, what's real Yeah, I, I don't have a degree. I was, so when it came to college. <laughs> he said, no, no was, bachelor's degree. <laughs> yeah, I would have been responsible for more divorce than Facebook or <laughs> social media in general. But, um. Now, I was one of those kids that didn't really know what I wanted to do. My parents wanted me to go to college really mm -hmm. bad. Um, and I, at the same time, I was playing shows with this guy named Corey Smith, who's, who to this day, he'll always be one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to songwriting. Um, he's just an amazing dude, uh, insanely creative, insanely talented, but he took an interesting path, and he was kind of anti-Nashville, anti-label, anti, -Nashville, anti management all that stuff and he was making ends meet and actually around the same time period was he quit teaching and went into music full-time and I was like man if I could figure out a way to make ends meet playing my music that would be that would be amazing you know that would, right. that, would that would be the shit so uh that's kind of where my head was at it wasn't you know I remember my parents wanting that plan b and that piece of paper and I appreciate them wanting that for me now looking back. So did you end up going to college at all? Or? I did. I went I, I went for it. like a year mm -hmm. okay. um, to Georgia College State University in Milledgeville. Yeah. And then I went like half of the – I was in college at uh, right there around the house at Gainesville College when I had my wreck. Right. Okay, gotcha. And then when, when the wreck happened, it was kind of around finals and um, – it was just something I didn't go back to. It well, kinda... yeah, it was a life-altering situation that you had gone through. For sure. I did read somewhere that you had said that um, you started writing music and again, and that was helping bring your memory back. Yeah, that and songs that I had written. Mm -hmm. Like, there were things that I was extremely, like, hazy about, especially right after uh, the wreck. But I, I really didn't notice, like... And again, like I, on paper, I've never been to a doctor that told me you have a TBI, yeah. This, you know, there's there's I mean, reasons you, that you don't remember. You hit a tree. Yeah, like, with, my, with my head. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, dude. That's like. Yeah, but it's it's for brutal. sure it's for sure cloudy. It's it's in you know it's it's one of those things too where I th I think there's probably some things in my past that I've blocked out right. manually and mm -hmm. you know I think it may have been one of those things where it's kind of kind of convenient that yeah. some of that didn't come back or, right. or that maybe I suppressed some of it, you know, right. subconsciously just to kind of out of survival or just yeah. instinct. You know? It also probably changed the, tra the trajectory of your life, you know? Absolutely. You In want. a million different ways. And, and for a long time, you know, I went through this thing where I kind of credited, I credited that with, with making this huge change in my life. Not that it wasn't, but I think that was, an easy go-to for me to say, this is where it all turned around. It re it really gave me an opportunity to go, okay, I was trying the college thing, but life can really be over that quick. Yeah. So I want to make sure I'm doing something that I love. And I think when my parents, I, I remember before my papa died, it was not a popular choice within my family to, to try to do the music thing and right. actually pursue it as you know, a credible means of making a living. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't as easy. I feel like you guys are like the OGs and had to really work to fucking get discovered. 
Whereas For now sure. you fucking make a TikTok, get millions of views, and they give you a fucking record deal. Like oh, back yeah. then, that's not how it was. Not at all. And and you know, we we played. We we came up the old 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 school way too, where mm-hmm. we played the smallest rooms. I mean, VFWs, motorcycle clubhouses. Like oh yeah. When um, I got with Jay, he was there was one show that we did, and I think ten people were there. And he rocked that fucking stage like there was 10,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like hey, he our goal was to go, and if those 10 people showed up, it was to turn them into street teams, right? We want to make sure we come in. And the only time I got in trouble with this is I, I, I was pretty confident at one point in time. And I remember telling this dude that owned Rick's in Mississippi. I was like, dog, you bring us in the first time, it may not be sold out. But the next time we come. Oh, yeah. And that was the only time I ever said that, that it didn't happen. Um, because we, we had a really good team from the beginning. I wasn't a guy that, um, said, all right, well, if I'm going to do this music thing, I need a manager. I need a label. I need this, that, and other. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I was coming up watching this dude, Corey Smith, that was doing it without all that. Right. So my goal was to do everything I, I was capable of doing on my own without, you know, giving money away and responsibility away money that you probably weren't really making because back then it was like just little i remember doing it for a long time having to have you know a job on the side maybe even doing a little dirt to to kind of make ends meet because there were nights (laughs) when i got paid i paid the band you know we'd pay our expenses and i pay the band and there wouldn't be shit left a lot of times paying the band was out of pocket yeah absolutely i remember that's how it was with jay in the beginning just watching him literally he would perform and pay everybody and have nothing left over yeah. and that's exactly how he toured for like the first i think year and a half that we were together it was just like just to get his name out there and just tour it's tough you're giving everything away yeah absolutely let's talk about your debut album modern day prodigal son <laughs> i sound like a baby on that Ah, uh, it's wild. I have to listen to it. Yeah, it's. I, I literally sound like like I was twelve. I recorded that record. Um, at a praise and worship. There was there was a praise and worship band that had a studio in Winder, and it's where Corey Smith cut his first record. Is Corey Smith still known? Why does that name sound familiar? Yeah, so he has a song called "Wishing I Was Twenty One." It was really big, but he he mm-hmm. lit up in college markets in. I think Jay listens to him. Yeah, he's yeah. and he's still got some great stuff coming out. He yeah. he still lives at home in in Jefferson, and he's just an incredible dude. But Corey is is one of those that, um, I, th- I think they you know there was some outside pressure to do the Nashville thing at some point, and right. he was dead set against it. And then when it came time that that he kind of needed to, you know, to grow and kind of access some of those things, um. It was just something I, I think in his space, his creative space, and where he works the best is is what he's doing now. But he's he's starting to do some co-writes and stuff, and yeah. I'm excited about that for him because you know listening to that guy's songs, he was the guy that showed me you know between him and Skinner, he showed me that it was it was cool to write about home, yeah, and and to describe like little things that, um, you know, he talked about 129 and and. I was like, man, that's the road that runs right past my house. You know, like that. <laughs> it was just relatable. Right. Yeah. In, in a major really way. Did. And, and it, you know, I'll never forget that. And that's something I do in my songs to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy how songs that you write, you think are the least relatable and the closest to the chest. Like, end up going platinum. Yeah. And just end up <laughs> resonating with people. Yeah. So it's well, like, it's I feel like it's real. Yeah. That. And I feel like when the delivery is different, you know, when you hear a song, mm-hmm. you can tell if a motherfucker believes it or not, Absolutely. or if he's just mumbling along to some shit he thinks is gonna make money mm-hmm. it, the, you know there is a difference in it and 
you know, looking back, I can tell you there were times, and, and you can hear it on the albums I did, there were songs on albums that I put out that that I, I'm not a huge fan of. I can tell you right. a lot of the radio singles that we had were my least favorite songs on the project. Was that from, because of signing a record deal, you feel like you maybe lost a little bit of creative control and they were pushing more of the radio hits? Maybe not so much creative control because that was always something that, that Scott and the label's been really good about allowing me to retain. Oh, good. Um, but we also showed up in town with a little bit of bargaining power, a little more than most, because we were selling out really decent-sized rooms that a lot of these labels had artists going to those same venues that couldn't sell them out. Is that when your second album was re-released that you started getting that notoriety? Or was that was that around the, the hell one? on wheels. Yeah, that okay. was that was or the Halfway to Heaven record was when right. some of that started kicking in. Yeah. Um, I, I saw that you had worked with Average Joe Entertainment and then yeah. like Colt Ford and all them. And then you ended up getting, they re-released the second album um, from Big Machine yeah. or Valor Music. Yeah, we had a distribution deal in place with Average Joe's and that was uh, my brother Colt Ford. Yeah, we love Colt. He yeah. wants to come on the podcast. We're going to have him on. He's the man. He's an OG, man. I'm telling you, and I, I told your husband this and something not a lot of people know about Colt. I've watched that man work as hard, if not harder, than than yeah. anybody I've seen in this business. I feel like he gives everybody a chance. Oh, he does it, several. Yeah, like he really just like opens his doors and like isn't a hater. And like it's he, not reciprocated nine times out of ten. Absolutely, for him. yeah. It's like you know, he for for whatever reason, you know, they told him we can't play this on radio. It's just not. It, it'll never work. Yeah. You know, so he starts singing and kind of developing a singing voice, and the answer was still no. And, you know, some of the stuff that gets me, man, is, like, there's guys, and I'm not going to call anybody's name or anything, but when anybody's on the road and wants to play golf somewhere or they know that Colt knows somebody and they want to get in the studio with them or any of that, he's the first one to pick up the phone. He's the first to put, you know, to make ends, you know, to kind of introduce you to anybody, get your foot in the door anywhere. But, you know, there's there's – there's he like, needs it. Nobody's there for him. Yeah, if he call when he calls for that favor, when he calls to get on that tour or to just mm. kind of talk about it, it's like the answer is no. I hate that. Um, it's 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 been tough to watch. The music industry in a whole is fucked, and people don't realize uh, all the politics that go on behind the scenes and stuff like that. I'm pretty vocal about it on here just because I've witnessed it firsthand with Jay. You know, that's why I get so mad when people are like, "He's a sellout because he signed a record deal." I'm like, "You have no fucking clue what even is going on behind the scenes. Like, you couldn't even your little pea brain couldn't comprehend it." No, yeah. it's you know I think a lot of people think it's all red carpet and you know that, but it's definitely not that. And I, I tell you what. It's a different situation for him, too, because he came in with bargaining power. He came in with a brand that's already built, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we and I can relate to that because that's, that's kind of how we came to town. We weren't, we weren't going to sit in offices with the suits, so to speak, right. and begging saying, hey, begging for a deal. Please sign mm-hmm. me. None of that. It was like, hey, if, if we figure out a way we can help each other and be, you know, make this partnership mutually beneficial then let's do it yeah but if i'm sacrificing creative control or i'm having to give you this that and other you know some of these 360 deals that you see some of these kids oh, signing now dude. are unfucking believable yeah. um 
but I mean, they're pretty much, they're just owned, you know? Yeah. And I think that everybody thinks that any time anybody signs a record deal, like that's what they're getting. And they don't realize that, you know, people like you, my husband, other people have opened doors and like, you know, kind of rewritten the contracts for them to be able to do things that were never heard of before. Absolutely. We have I'm trying a to like be very choosy with my words. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to, but, yeah. but yeah, we have a voice in the room, you yeah. know, in, in whether it be market share or your brand or how many yeah. asses you put in seats, you know, all of that gives you a voice in a room and, and your husband's got a loud, the you know, one of the loudest voices in the room right now. Literally though. Yeah. <laughs> He's so loud. <laughs> in more ways I'm than one. is so loud all the time. I'm like, babe, take it down a notch. But I got to tell you, watching the CMT awards and watching him bringing three home. No. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't really watch. I watched it back to watch him get, yeah. you know, where credit was due. But, I think that was a victory to a lot of us, man. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was a victory to Colt, to me, to, to, you know, a lot of the guys that, man, came from another world. He's a street kid. Yeah. And we call Antioch. it, I, I told him, I said, dude, you showed up uninvited. And that's, that's been something that we've said. My manager you guys should write a song called Showed Up Uninvited. Yeah. I love that. Well, some of the best times I've ever had in life are places I showed up to uninvited. Yeah. Totally. Well, let's bring it back to your second album that got re-released. You started, that's whenever you ended up getting like single of the year, ACM new male artist and stuff like that for more than miles. And you don't know her like I do. Like when yeah. shit started taking off, take me on that journey. So you don't know her like I do. That was our second single. Was it written it was, about Amber? It was. Oh. And, and I put it out. Check this out. I put it out. We, you know, this is before she was my wife, but were while you guys we were broke up, rekindled or were you broke up when oh, all this we were was... not seeing or speaking to each other at all. Okay, gotcha. And uh, that was uh, I, I, and <laughs> knew damn well. I'm not going to tell you I, I, that it wasn't intentional. I knew that song being on the radio. I knew she was going to hear it. And, yeah. You know that was uh. No, but how fucking sweet is that? You right? know, like how it's sweet, sweet is that? And spiteful, I think. You know, <laughs> it's sweet now that you know we kind of got back together and ended right. up getting married and having kids. And you were know, that, you I think in active sweet. addiction during that time? Oh yeah. And that's kind of why she kept her distance from you. Can we talk about the addiction a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, from the first time, I don't ever remember. Um, I, I remember the first time getting hammered. I stole a bottle of Crown out of my buddy's parents' liquor cabinet. And we had a field party. And I think I was 14, maybe. And I remember from the first, I got sick as fuck. Mm, Crown's fucking just syrupy. But for whatever reason, I loved it so much it didn't matter. Mm. You know, if you eat food and you get food poison from something that, and you don't want to eat that for a while, mm. it was not like that for me. I, I can tell you... From the first time, I, I do remember this, from the first time I ever got drunk, I, I took advantage of every opportunity I got to get drunk again uh, from then until December 18th of 2011. Wow, so it alcohol was, was your... Alcohol, um, and this this isn't something I've, I've been really loud about, but I, it wasn't just alcohol. For me, it was alcohol and uh, opiates, pain pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say when I was, when I was at my worst, I had a laptop bag, um, 
I mean, I kept not a handle and not a fifth, but uh, about around like a liter size. Whether it was, if I was on a bourbon kick, it'd be two bottles of that. If it was wow. vodka, it'd be two bottles of vodka. If it was, you know, yeah, I went through a Jaeger kick for the longest time. Ooh, I'd have like two bottles of Jaeger and my pistol set right in between the two bottles. And then the front pocket had, uh, had my pills in it and. I loved a good Lord d'oeuvre myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Norcos, Lord d'oeuvres, all that shit. Give I, it to me. For whatever reason, the Lord Tab 10 was my pill of choice. Same. I love the Norcos because they hit you a little harder and they had less aspirin in them. Yeah. Yeah, that was my shit. But it was like, man, I, I and, and this is the honest God truth. When it was at his worst, you know, I'd do vodka and orange juice in the morning if I was being seen. But mm. I, I was probably... Two bottles every 24 hours between five and 20 Lord Tab 10s or wow. perks or whatever I had. Um, you know, the Adderall, the Vivance together. I was doing like 30 milligrams of Adderall and 70 milligrams of Vivance in a 24-hour period. Then I had the little blues that if I ever like I was dumping down Oh, a bit. I love a Zanny too. Buddy. I, I never, so those, I, so Zanny bars, I had a doctor that gave me 60 buses a month mm. and I, I, I hated them oh, for whatever they reason. They brought me down too low. Mm. They put me to sleep and the way I it. drank, I never remembered anything. And I, yeah. I didn't like, I didn't like that. Um, he said, no, I didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't like losing. I did not, Zanny's is not where I draw the control. line, right? <laughs> and, and you have to remember, too, the dudes that I'm around, and, you know, this is this is at a point in time when, you know, they kind of called me the bad boy of country music, but nobody really knew what was going on behind the scenes. Well, like, because I feel like it was a different era, and they were trying to keep everything hush-hush. Absolutely. Yeah. Because behind the scenes, buddy, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I was running with them dudes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, my life... It, it wasn't wasn't easy company I was around. So, it, you know, at the time when I was the most fucked up that I was, I was around people that I really didn't have, like the Xanax thing, passing out and slurring and all that. That's not an option. You don't hang around them dudes like that. Right. You get fucked up like that. So, um, my my thing was I kind of had a cruising altitude, mm. and if you didn't know me well, you wouldn't have known that I was messed up at all. You might have known that I had a quick temper and, you know. I, uh, you handled it really well. Uh, Masked it. It was, uh, yeah, I, I had a good mask. Mm. Um, but under that, man, it was just, it was just empty bullshit. I, I got to a point where I was literally, I remember, I remember being like, man, I'm not going to make it to 30. There's no way in hell I'm making it to 30. There's no way in hell I'm getting married or having kids. I'm just not that dude. At one point, I was, I wanted to be an outlaw biker. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I wanted to do my music, and, and I wanted to do that. And uh, <laughs> Which is a Even when I didn't really know what that whole world was about. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's a story for another day. And, and to this day, I still have respect for dudes in that world. I still rock with dudes in that yeah. world. Um I got give all the respect they, in the world for they that. They run like a well-oiled machine. You know? Oh yeah, and I mean, dude, it takes a different. It's a different kind of human being um, that it takes to really be that dude. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I learned with, with running in those circles was I wasn't that dude. Mm. Um, what was the defining moment for you to get help and to get sober? So, like growing up in church, right and my papa uh, and my grandfather on my mom's side, but my papa was like, 
that was my rock. That was the dude. He hung the moon and the stars mm -hmm. and, and all that shit. That was him in, in my life. And, you know, I was raised to value being a good husband and being a, a good father one day and, and, you know, to keep faith close in my life. And I had run myself to a point where none of that was in my peripheral at all. Like, mm -hmm. it just wasn't on the map. I remember, uh, you know, it was... It, it had, my life had turned into a giant party. Um, it was every day, all day. We would go, we would go out on the road or be out on the road and be on the way home. And I had, there were a few dudes, buddies that I'd call and they would make sure there was a party kicking so that when we got home, no matter what time it was, what day it was or yeah. whatever, that there was a that we came home from a party to a party. <laughs> there was just I always say it's not a party if it happens every day. Right? Literally. So it's had to have burned you out. Oh, for years, man. I'm telling you, for years it was it was all day, all night, every day. Um, and I remember one night we got a number one it was number one party for uh countrywide. It was our first number one at country radio. Mm -hmm. And we were gonna celebrate, right? And I realized somewhere in 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 the course of all this happening that I wasn't celebrating. I, it was just another day at the office. And this mm -hmm. is something that people have worked their whole lives to and devote. You know, yeah. people go broke and homeless trying to to accomplish this 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 huge feat. And we did it. And I couldn't even celebrate it because it, it wasn't a celebration. It was just another party. Right. It's just another night. Just another. You just it, it's kind of. It's another day at the office. Right. And I remember going to the back lounge of the bus I was on at the time and sitting there. And, and again, this is during the time, too, where, you know, my, my mind was a little wild. And, and I just remember sitting back there. And for whatever reason, I had a moment of clarity. And I was like, it, well, let me preface this by saying this came right on the heels of me being I was hospitalized twice in like a few month period. Uh, one. uh there was some some internal stuff. The second time was like I woke up and I'd got to a point where about every two or three hours when I'd go to bed at say two, three, four in the morning, if I went to bed at three, I'm waking up at five and I'm shaking and mm -hmm. I'd literally I kept that bag. That bag went everywhere I went. And it at this point in time I, my bed was on a hot tub. <laughs> This we, what we called the compound. Uh, this, there was a guy named Mike Deke who passed away a couple of years ago, in a man that I love with my whole heart. I called him Uncle Mike, and mm -hmm. he basically built a, him and his wife built a new house, and they let us live in their old house that they brought their family up in. It was a big house, and we kind of cut it up into apartments. Oh, okay. And I stayed in the pool house. So there was a hot tub in there, and I just kind of built a frame for a bed, you know, on top of the hot tub. That hot tub never had water in it. It was slapped full of guns. Oh, my um, God. I had two Harleys parked in the in the bedroom and shit. And, <laughs> the ultimate bachelor pad. Oh, dude, I'm telling you. There was literally at any given day of the week, no joke, you could pull up and walk down that breezeway, and there were probably naked people in the pool and people funneling stuff. I nice. mean, ju ju just partying non-freaking-stop. Mm -hmm. And... My, uh, you know, we all lived there. Half the guys, my head of security, PJ, um, manager at the time, Steve Tussman, who's 
you'll meet Steve before it's over. I can't wait till you do too. Steve's been with me since 2006, and he is mm. literally my right hand. Like, I love that. If something happens to him, my right arm's gone, mm. and, a, and a big piece of my heart. He's he's an amazing dude that's been an amazing asset to or, organization. But the compound days, this is right before I got sober. I remember one night we flew home private. We were at an end-of-tour party. It was the Willie Nelson Throwdown Tour. It was us, Jamie Johnson, Willie, Lee Bryce, Randy Hauser, uh, Lucas Nelson. It just, And all of us were not sober. Oh. <laughs> we were all in chapters of our life where we were all trying to I don't think Willie's been sober for like 50 years. Right. But he was, this is, this is still, Willie was, he would roll up pretty much. Walk off the bus, play the show, get back on the bus, and they'd roll out. Right. Uh, there were a couple nights he hung out, and, and we got to smoke with him. That, that was cool. Uh, was the nicest dude ever. No. And, and he's I, we get to meet him. Uh, Jay's playing a show with him, so I can't oh, no wait. joke? Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. An unbelievable soul. Um, but we, had, <laughs> we were at this after tour party, and there was a little bit of a, a – situation uh i've never quit a tour in my life um but this is this is right in the middle of my bullshit uh we went to this after tour party and there was a dude doing some shit in there that i didn't really like and i had a couple of my road dogs with me and he's kind of messing with his chick and long story short the, the the idea was i went and asked him if he wanted to smoke a cigarette with me and we we're just gonna step outside you know kind of leave him in a pool of his own shit but uh <laughs> they stopped it before that happened broke it up and one of the the people on that tour was screaming at me and said we knew you were gonna do this we knew you were nothing but a thug and this that and other and i was like well hold on a thug <laughs> i've been called a lot of shit in my life that's the first time i've been called a thug so i remember calling uh i had a guy out with me at the time his name was darren glenn he used to be the police chief in our small town uh, but he had retired. He was out working with us and kind of trying to, this was at a point where I knew I had a problem. Right. right? So he was kind of out. I had, he came to the hospital the first time I was hospitalized and my parents were in there. And anyway, long story short, I said, call Scott, meaning Scott Borchette, my record label president. Right. And he said, it's two in the morning. I said, call him. He didn't answer. Well, I go up to the bus and I'm stewing and I'm, I'm wanting to fight pretty good. And I see him come running across this open field, and it's like his phone's got some disease he's scared to catch from it. And he was like, did you really call Scott? I was like, hell yeah, give me a phone. <laughs> I got on, and uh, he said, I'll never forget his voice. He said, hey, B. He was like, real calm, real <laughs> nice, and it was the opposite of where I was at. My energy was fucking ready to, right. like, I'm Tear ready. Shit to, up. Oh, yeah. And it kind of disarmed me for a minute. And I was like, man, I, I ain't this guy, and I, I ain't wanting to quit anything, but. This woman just called me a thug, and I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have any intentions of doing anything. That dude deserved to have his ass with this, that, and that. And he goes, B, okay, listen, if you'll play this one last show. It hadn't clicked to me that this was the end of tour party. We only have one show left. Right. <laughs> so I'm, you're I'm so trying to leave up. a man for one, <laughs> one show. He said, if you'll do that, I'll send the jet to take you and – and your guys home. Well, I ain't never been on a private jet before. Mm -hmm. My redneck ass buddies, that and that, and neither, you know. 
it sounded like a pretty good deal. The first deal I'd done with him was worked out pretty good. So I was like, all right, deal. So <laughs> we flew home that night and we partied like hell the whole way there. And we got home and, and uh, I remember I had some, some friends that lived with me at the time. We'll say that. Uh, and I was, I was in the bed and every night, like I said, I'd wake up about two, two and a half hours, three hours, and I'd be shaking and I'd just reach over. Like it was muscle memory. I'd reach over my bed, pop a couple tabs, chug mm -hmm. that liquor bottle, you know, where it bubbled like three or four times. Like it literally, when I, when I tell you I drank liquor like water, it was, Goodness. it was literally like reaching over where you might wake up, dry mouth or something, get a bottle right. of water. Yeah. It was liquor. Wow. And you know, I'd sit there and watch freaking major pain or some bullshit movie you're lucky you didn't go into like cirrhosis well this is where so that night usually i would be about i would finish the second bottle for my 24 hour and, and dude i'm telling you this was a system like every 24 hours i'd start every new day i had two new bottles for that day right um and usually the second bottle i would finish it in the middle of the night mm. Um, I couldn't imagine. I remember bottling the bottle, bottoming the bottle out, and the sun not being up, and I knew something was off. So instead of waking up every couple hours and taking sips, I I was waking up a lot more frequently than I thought. And while I'm sitting there trying to figure out, I knew something wasn't right. I started, I, I noticed this kind of came to me. And, and keep in mind, at this point, I'd probably pop six to eight lore tabs mm -hmm. in the last twelve hours. And I'm hurting, mm. and you know, in in like my stomach area, and like I, I immediately it start hurting more and more and more. And within thirty seconds of being like kind of waking up, I told people that were with me, "Hey, somebody call my parents, and somebody else get me in the fucking truck. I got to the hospital. Something's wow. wrong." And I had pancreatitis. My pancreas was swelling to the point it was seeping. Oh. Um, my liver was jacked up. Kidneys were jacked up. And God. I knew it was bad when I woke up in the hospital and my biker, I call them my biker dads were there, but <laughs> Coop and Pop. And I, I, I was to a point in my life where, in, in really my later teen years, I think it was probably like this, but my parents had got to a point where they really just couldn't do shit with me. Right. There really wasn't a damn, I mean, so, so long story short, I knew when things got real bad, if yeah. they really needed to get my attention, Pop and Coop would show up. And I woke up, and they were standing there with the doctor. And I was mm. like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I fucked up now. Did you end up going to rehab? He, They told me that day, and they were both pissed. And, and usually, Pop will get pissed at you before Coop will. But they were both, I could tell they were concerned, and they were serious. And it, there, there was no bullshit going on right. in that room. And, and I remember Pop's telling the doctor, like, Ma'am, I need you to tell him exactly what you just told us. Don't sugarcoat it. Tell him exactly. And she looked at me and she said, Brantley, if you don't start drinking, and I interrupted her, I said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I won't make it to 30. But in my mind, like like I said earlier, like I was already to the point where I didn't plan on making it to 30. Right. Like I'm already yeah. very familiar. I'm, I'm at peace with that. I'm good right. with it, you know. And she said, no, you won't make it to your next birthday. And this mm -hmm. was like November, and I think my birthday was in – January, January to like yeah. months. She said, if you do not quit now, like this, this is going to kill you. You're in bad shape. Wow. So and I, they kept I, all this hidden from oh, yeah. the public. Oh, yeah. They had tried. And, and when I tell you that we, we have built a family through the years and I had good people around me, I got 
fucked up and into my situation in spite of that. They, they're they not enabling at this point. There were times when I'd get pissed off at them. They'd get hiding my liquor bottles from me. So, right. You know, then I'm to a point where I've got stashes here, there, and everywhere, right. airplane bottles. I have a feeling many. nobody's going to be able to tell you no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, that, at the end of the day, it was like, okay, well, if you know, I know you're looking out for me. If you don't give me my shit, we're going to fight. Mm. yeah <laughs> but uh i had homies like you growing up <laughs> right it was like yeah, yeah I, I mean i'm I'm gonna do i'm gonna do what i want to do yeah, until it kills me and and that's for whatever reason um you know that's that's been kind of a repetitive theme in my life something doesn't get my attention until it damn near kills me yeah um we're just hard-headed like that yeah so he had so darren had come out on the road and we were trying i was trying to slow my drinking down a little bit and he got to where he would mix drinks for me and kind of give them to me as the day went along. But uh, to be honest with you, probably 30, I don't even know if it was a month into that. Like, I was already hiding mm. bottles. And, well, you had a real addiction. Oh, yeah, buddy. I was hooked. And, and But for whatever reason, that, that night I had a moment of clarity. And I was like, man, you know, I I really kind of need to, the, the things that I'm pursuing in my life are not, they're not filling this gigantic hole. There's there's a hole somewhere. Something's broke. I'm leaking. Yeah. Right? And I don't know how to stop the bleeding. Well, I do know how to stop the bleeding. It's just whether or not I'm willing to do it. Right. Um, I didn't want to go to rehab. I'd been kind of, whether it was court appointed or a judge had kind of, you know, or an attorney had told me, hey, this, is, this would look good if you, <laughs> we'd yeah. probably do a little better in court if you went to this program or this program. I'd done day partials. Um, you know, where you go like half a day and then go home. I'd done, I'd been admitted, uh, for, you know, the 30 day stuff, 45 day. And I just, I didn't want to do that. I was dead set against it. Um, but for whatever reason, this, this, uh, I had some, some good people looking out for me that kind of insisted that I go and medically detox mm. at, at a rehab facility. And I went to Cumberland Heights here in, uh, outside of Nashville. And, uh, man, I remember for, like, the first five or six days. And I told him, like, look, I got 20 days, and I've got to be on the, the Eric Church Blood, Sweat, and Beers tour. I'm not fucking missing that no matter what. So everybody agreed. You're All such right. a fucking just a hell on heels. Like, okay, I'm going to go get sober, but it's under my terms and in, in this amount of time. <laughs> and I'd research the kind I of medications I thought I needed when I left. And no shit, this is no joke. Um, yeah. I think I made 12, 13 days, maybe 15. Um, at one That's point, so I was ready to leave. When, once I got out of the medical wing, so the first three, four days, no joke, for three or four days, I crawled from a bed to a shower mm. and back. Couldn't sleep, couldn't just, it, it was, man. The withdrawals. Fucking terrible torture. Like, they, they don't, when you're in a, me I, I don't know for sure, but I just want to kind of explain this for everybody at home. Whenever you're doing a medical de detox, do they make you actually detox and they don't make you comfortable at all? Mm -mm. Wow. They, it's, well, they do. So they'll keep you from having a seizure, right? Right. But I actually, and this was kind of part of the, the deal for me, I, I wanted to kind of embrace some of that suck. I wanted it to suck. So that you it had to get my attention. Go back, yeah. And I mean, every thought that you could think of. I remember at one point being in there and being like, when I knew that I was going fucking crazy, 
I remember I had this thought like, man, what if we go play like a charity or sh- show or something in Africa? One, I've got to fly there. Two, what if I get attacked by like a lion? <laughs> and something clicked in my brain that went, uh, okay. <laughs> We're, we're, we're fucked up. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was like self-realization. You were like, holy shit. A couple french fries short of a Happy Meal over here. <laughs> Need to figure this out. But uh, but yeah, I went in. And once I got out of the medical wing, like I, in my mind, I was like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know, as long as I, I had it lined up where a buddy of mine, it was a paramedic, was going to come on the road with us in case I had a seizure and all that. Mm. And uh, when I called to tell him I was ready to go, everybody disagreed with me to the point where they sent Pop. Pop yeah. and his wife <laughs> came down on a motorcycle. Is and, Pop still around? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's my dude. Shout out, Pop. Yeah, Pop's the man. <laughs> but him, my mom came up there. My dad came up there. And, you know, I was telling them, just like I was telling everybody else, I'm fucking leaving. Like, yeah. you know, I did what I came to do. I've made a decision that that's not going to be part of my life anymore. And, you know, this, that, and other. But... They sent Pop down there, and he he bought him a couple more days. But I think it was like day between day ten and day fifteen. I remember, yeah, I, it would have been. So I went in there on December eighteenth, and I know I was in there for uh, New Year's. Mm. I remember my mom brought me like some Christmas presents to rehab. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> we that's love Mama. Mom. Yeah, that's Mama. <laughs> but they came up, taught me to stay in a couple of days. But the day. I finally told them, I was like, all right. And they knew they couldn't keep me in there anymore. Like, I'm coming out. I need to go to a doctor's office because there's a couple things I need to make sure. Um, and I'd already talked to the doctor ahead of time. Uh, he was in touch with my my doctor in the, the facility. Mm-hmm. So Scott Borchetta and my manager at the time, Rich Egan, picked me up from rehab, took me to the doctor's office, and then dropped me off at the bus. And we went to the – we went and did the Eric Church – blood sweat and beers tour in 2012 did you stay sober yeah wow yeah that's amazing i went about a year uh a year or two with nothing mm-hmm. at all um and then i kind of started dabbling in the pot a little bit right it's, i don't think there's anything wrong with weed <laughs> you can't convince me man here's I the thing like i want to be careful with this though because there, I'm, there's tons of people watching this that Y'all, we're all built different, right? right Every single, we're as different as our fingerprints. All of our rock bottoms are different. All of our vices operate differently. And addiction, mm-hmm. being the demon that it is, is, is going to attack you in your vo- most vulnerable place and Absolutely. In, in, in different ways. So I don't encourage anybody that, mm-hmm. especially if you're an addict, and I, I am an addict. I'm a full, bl- I'm an addict's addict. Absolutely. Like yeah. if I find anything I like, I'm going to do it till it hurts me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for whatever reason, with pot, that's not the case. Like, I could smoke, and I could go a week without smoking. I could go a month without smoking. Right. I was trying to get life insurance at one point, and I went off for, like, two months. <laughs> and didn't need it. They still didn't give me fucking life insurance, but... Uh, what? I'm a liability. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> I'm so, I think insurance is the biggest fucking scam, but that's a whole other fucking conversation. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I came out, and, man, it was... Pots, pot. I, I never smoked when I drank. I did right. from time to time, but I didn't like. You get the spins whenever you yeah. drink and smoke. I don't like. Just it. made me tired. Yeah. And in my mind, like if I'm tired and something bad happens, we got to run from the law. We got to fight somebody, or we got to run for whatever reason. 
I don't want to be stumbling. I don't want to be sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go. Absolutely. So, t- okay. So you stayed sober the whole Eric Church tour. Did you and Amber start talking again? Because you guys got married in 215, right? So, so- on June 16th of 2014, oh. um, I got a call from my cousin who was the the guy that was the pastor. youth pastor at that church. Yep. He and his wife, uh, he's, he's blood family to me. Um, but they were really close with Amber and had been her whole life. Mm-hmm. And Amber and I both, now when we split up for those five years, we both went our separate ways. Uh, we, we were both in different relationships and mine was rather brief. I, I really wasn't to be completely honest. We, I, I, I wasn't good at relationships. Mm-hmm. I, well, I you was, didn't love uh, yourself. So how are you able to love somebody else or yeah. have somebody else love you the way you needed to be loved? And the environments I was in were not tailor-made for girlfriends or any of that it was and i knew i I was a whore you know what i mean it's like for whatever reason my conscience is fucked up like this like i could if a man did the right thing i could put a bullet in him and put him in a ditch and be all right with it Mm -hmm. but if i cheated on my wife i'd probably call her and have to tell her like the minute it happened (laughs) for whatever reason my conscience is 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 fucked up in that space that's so good i'm thankful for that right a lot of people wouldn't know that about you though you know like they would just be like oh he's probably just like all these other people and like no uh, that's that's a weird thing to me and even when even when i was in a relationship and anybody around me that knows well can tell you this if Mm -hmm. i was in a situation with somebody where we had decided we weren't seeing other people now there were i could count those on one hand yeah my entire life um but when i was in those situations i was i was not one to to stray do all that other but i knew that and for that reason that's why i stayed out of relationships amber for whatever reason had a hold on you and even the girls that i was in relationships with or 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 whatever they were you know didn't have many girlfriends and you know any, any of that stuff but even when i would try to move on or date somebody i was always really upfront about hey this is this is my life and I, i'm i'm cool where it's at right like, when hang out that kind of thing i was i was never one of those shady dudes it was like i'm on you know let's get married and run off kind of yeah. thing or try to get somebody to bed like that it was never i was always straight up honest and and um and all that but for whatever reason from the time i met amber there was just something it was that she was what i couldn't have and then she was the one that got away and um and when she she moved on and went her separate way (laughs) so you taunted her for years (laughs) i don't know if i haunted her she haunted the fuck out of me and you know no i said taunted because you bought the property down the street from her mom wrote songs about her on the radio (laughs) songs on the radio she's like everywhere i go i can't fucking just this guy will not go away but I, I will say this. I got to a point to where I knew she had moved on mm. and she was doing, you know, and, and she had made a commitment to somebody else and I respected that. Because I was like, dude, you know, it was the one girl I loved in my life enough to say, all right, well, if that's, if that's it, want? if that's your forever, then I'm going to leave you to it and I'm going to go do mine. And mine's real fucked up. But. <laughs> You know, it was it was one of those things, and that's that's one of the things I think that allowed me to kind of dive into some some of those more uh, some of the rough crowd scenarios. It's like, dude, I'm not getting married. I'm not having kids. If it ain't that one, it's probably not going to work. Especially after the the you know, I had a relationship. It was kind of 
it was a loud one because we were both in the business. Um, even when that was going on, I, I think she knew that there was a piece of me that was still mm. with that other. And she also knew there was a piece of me that was just a f- fucking renegade, man. Like, mm. rebel, I want to be moving. When I was single, no joke. I, I never went, I very seldom went home. We get done with a show, and if I didn't have to be anywhere the next day, we we may go bounce down to a clubhouse in Florida, or we may go bounce to the Chicago clubhouse and visit some bikers. And that's why you and my husband are such good friends because literally you guys are the same, sewn from the same cloth. Yeah, he's. I always tell him, I'm, so, I'm like, you're the first to show up and the last to leave. Yep. And I'm the opposite. I'm the last to show up and the first to leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's my wife. Literally. Yeah. That's my wife. Well, let's keep moving on. So you and Amber got married in 2015, and then you dropped your fourth album in 2017, "The Devil Don't Sleep." Yeah. It was known for some really dark themes. Uh, I read. Yeah. What was the inspiration for that? Because you were you'd got married, and like I f- would think it would be a happy time in your life. You know, when we got back together, so what? I, my best guess about what that was about, I've always tried to be kind of unfiltered and just honest. And when I go into the album-making process, like, I try not to to give it much of a, a controlled, intentional narrative. Right. Okay. In other words, like, I don't try to paint a picture that's not. Right. I try to be where I'm at and also look back at, some of the shit I've been through. Because let's, let's be honest, nobody wants to listen to sunshine and fucking butterflies and flowers for an hour songs. and a half. You I know what I mean? Them, like, yeah. the, there's there's something about music, that, especially rock music. To me, it's the truest form of expression outside of prayer. And in in times, has been you know can can feel even more powerful. Knowing it's not, but it's it's uh to me it's just it, it, it there's a lot of power in it. Absolutely. You know, spiritually. You move uh, millions with your words, literally. Yeah. And when, when you start to kind of wrap your head around that, too, it, it kind of sends you in some, some different directions. But I think that's, we're all a little bit weird. If you're, if you're an artist, you've got some screws <laughs> oh, loose, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. There's, it's, I always tell everybody, being a partner of an artist, you don't realize how eccentric you have to be to be able to tap into each of those emotions, express them, write a song, sing it, and put it all together. Like it's it's a talent. And, that and not if very... you do it right, relive it every time you sing it. Absolutely, yeah. And, and but I do think that that was some of the you know a lot of the songs I've, I've written songs about things that I don't like having conversations about, and it took it took me a long time where I was comfortable talking about a lot of stuff that you had gone through. Yeah, just because. Well, one, you know, uh, my adult life, most of my adult life, I spent in circles that you don't really talk a whole lot. You right. know what I mean? You just kind of keep quiet. Your business is your business, because if right. I start running my mouth and telling a bunch of stories, I'm liable to incriminate you, me, or one of our buddies. That, but I also feel like men, you guys do not cannot catch a break when it comes to mental health. You know, like you guys are not allowed to feel emotions. You're not allowed to be depressed. You're not allowed to be sad. Like you have to suck it up. As little boys, you're taught to suck it up, you know, yeah. and and you carry that through life. And so that just, you know, sorry, Chachi, no, dude, I he's just it. over here sawing logs. <laughs> so that just, you know, it follows you through life and you're just not, you know, you guys literally get shut out as far as it comes to like mental health and like being able to express yourself. For sure. I, I think. You know, the, the songwriting gave me a kind of a loophole there. Right. Um, but I, I will say, man, 
you know, there's there's something about a strong man that was raised that way and has embraced that and, and knows how to vent and express himself in his own way. Yes. While maintaining that that tough exterior. I think there's Absolutely. something to that. There's a reason that we look up to those men and want to be like them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that's something in society I feel like right now we need to be careful with. Like when it comes to my son, mm-hmm. totally different in my approach as a parent, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, I'm, my grandmother says I'm too hard on him. My wife You and Amber have two kids, by the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> Barrett and Bray. And Barrett, it's, it's just the best hearted little kid ever. Like you literally, you mm-hmm. can see it in his eyes that he just has a giant heart and he's just a kind soul. And that scared the shit out of me worse than if he would have been a hellion from the time he came out. Just right. because, you know. You didn't want him to get hurt. Well, that, but that that's dangerous in the world we we live in today this world will chew you up and spit you out and i feel like society right now we're all on this shit about don't hurt somebody's feelings or don't yeah. trigger somebody this that and other the everybody fucking gets world a, don't work like everybody that. gets a trophy yeah it just <laughs> it just don't I'm, I'm i'm not on that and I, I feel like you know some of this you know i understand the the, the talking points about toxic masculinity and this that and other but there is healthy masculinity. Yes, absolutely. And we had to promote that in, in, in these kids. I'm not raising a little boy. Mm. I'm raising a man. And I, I won't, if I, if I had my preference, I'd raise a king. Yeah. So I want my son to be a leader. Yeah. Like I want him to have the, the, the fucking moral fortitude and, and you know, the, the faith. And I, I want him to be equipped with all the things he needs to lead people in good directions. Which he will because he has you. I hope so. Oh, that's I think toxic masculinity stems from people who were raised by narcissistic men and stuff like that. And I think it's so rampant because that generation like of our parents, they didn't know how to heal. You know, they didn't want to heal and they were like perpetual victims. So they inflicted their trauma onto their children. So I think that's why toxic masculinity is such a huge thing right now, because there are so many people who were affected by it. But you're right. People need to start talking about the healthy masculinity and like being able to raise your babies and you know we need men in 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 the world strong men masculine men (laughs) we need strong women yeah as well my my wife you know no joke i give her a hard time but one and i know this can be kind of a cop-out people people say this a lot but but in all reality i was in the delivery room for both of mine oh God. If I'm telling you, if I'm responsible for childbirth, if men are Oof. responsible for childbirth, the human race would have been extinct a long fucking time ago. I don't know how. Listen, shout out to all the moms out there because that's the reason I don't have biological children. <sighs> childbirth scares the living shit out of me. Well, good, it for is good reason. Barbaric. There's a lot that can go wrong. One, which I was Oof. terrified about that, but two, it's like, I mean, it's barbaric. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I remember looking at it like, dude, you are a fucking soldier. Yeah. Like, looking at my wife, like, I knew you were a badass, but this yeah. is on another level. Uh. But, you know, my wife's been through some real shit in her life, too. She lost her dad. No. Um, I wish and, Amber and, was here. Or we could have brought her on. Yeah. <laughs> she's funny. But, um, but yeah, like, she's an incredibly strong woman. And knowing what I know about you, you're an incredibly strong woman. That's so that. important in society. But, but, I do think we got to let men be men too. I agree. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's, there's things that are some uncomfortable talking points that people don't want to hear. Like some of the necessary, I feel like it's necessary for some men, men, me in particular, 
Uh, there's a guy named John Lovell that, that has a platform called the Warrior Poet Society, and a lot of that's about unapologetic masculinity, mm-hmm. uh, faith, but just really about being a good man, a better just husband, a better dad, yeah. but also being the most dangerous dude in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, as a man, part, you know, and there's a thing on there called the order of man, and, and this guy talks about there being three responsibilities that we, we have as, as men in, as head of our households. Um, and I feel like I'm the head of my household, but I feel like I do share that with my wife. I'm gone yeah. so much that she she's she holds it. Down. That's the queen. I'm the king. She's the queen, mm-hmm. and, and we rule together. Yeah. Um, but he talks about us having three responsibilities. And that's to protect, provide, and preside. You know, and protect is more than just having a gun in your pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I know this is a touchy subject for a lot of people, but I I I believe in carrying firearms I, but I, I believe in I believe that responsible gun ownership includes training right absolutely just having a, a dude that goes and buys a gun and sticks it in his pocket and says he's armed mm. is dangerous it's just as much a liability they is, just passed a law like that didn't yeah. they Mimi didn't you just tell me that they just passed it a law they just passed a law where people can just go buy guns without any training yeah and you know what like my views on that are, are you know, I, I feel like most of most of the people that you would fuck with in life, right, and I feel like this is the case for me, are, are more so kind of middle of the aisle politically. Than they, there are a couple things, you know, a couple uh, topics or, or situations that, that put them hard on one side of the aisle. And, right. and for me, I lean right mainly because of guns. Right. Um, and our Second Amendment right being a constitutional right. Like, I... Yeah, not that I believe we want to we get into all that. Yeah, we're not poli- we're not getting political. Yeah. We're just talking about things. But <laughs> I do believe that you know it is you know my responsible it, my responsibility as a husband and as a dad. Not just if if I'm going to own a gun, I, I need to know everything about it, how it works. Yeah, but I need to train, you know, on situational awareness. I need to train tactically. I need to make sure, that, you know, situationally mainly because. You know, if you don't know the laws in the states you're in, oh yeah, you know what I mean. And you pull that out, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what kind of asset you think you are. No, for sure, you're gonna. It's gonna cost you years of your life, and and mm-hmm. maybe somebody else's life or yours itself. When, when we tour, we have to check the laws because of the security mm-hmm. to find out, you know, what we can and can't do with. Yeah, but it's like you know, as a dad, I I I believe that there is a certain part of me that it's almost a responsibility to. To be dangerous in a sense, to be mm-hmm. capable of violence, to be capable of protecting myself, my friends, my my wife and my kids, yeah, first absolutely. and foremost. Um, I believe in violence. My husband doesn't. He tells me all the time I need to calm down because I grew up an extremely <laughs> violent human, too. But I've softened a lot in my years. But I, I'm the same way. Yeah. Pop off. Like, fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. But, I believe yeah. we I, I think it's a necessity to have the capability, you know, yeah. to, to, just to have the capacity to do violence absolutely john talks about being the most dangerous man in the room it's you know it's not just about having that to be intimidating or or to make somebody fear you right i'm not the one that's going to put my gun on my hips so god and everybody can see it when i've got my i mean you've seen Mm -hmm. where i carry my it's it's right there yeah you know where nobody needs to know i have it no and 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 but that's a real not coming out right unless 
uh, unless there's a situation that presents itself where there's no other option. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, no, um, I couldn't agree. But I, I spend a lot of time kind of following guys that, that talk a lot about that stuff and in that space because I do want to be – and I want my son to see, you know, what being a man is really about. And it's mm-hmm. not all rub dirt on it, this, that, and the other. I feel like to be a real man and a, a real well-rounded man, we not only have to have the capacity to to be – Maybe vulnerable is an uncomfortable word for me to use, but <laughs> that may be the word. But you know, to be vulnerable but tough. Yeah, like a lion and a lamb, yeah, right? Is what John yeah. says sometimes on his site. It's like we we need to be capable of of showing love and sympathy mm-hmm. and empathy and that that's being a real man, being able to show your emotions to the people that you love. That they need to see that your family has to be able to see that. So that's sure. a quality of a real man, but also to be able to just be like, you know, the protector, the provider and stuff like that. That's also great qualities of a man too. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. yeah I believe that with my whole heart cuz we were talking earlier about my papa and mm-hmm. we're talking about a man that that hung the moon and the stars and everything like I said. And him and and but my my mom's dad too. They're both hard men. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not, they weren't the happy-go-lucky, all smiles all mm-hmm. the time. But you knew that he loved you. I, he didn't have to say it. There you go. You know, he, he lived his life. The way he lived said, I love you every time you looked mm-hmm. at him. Even if he was whipping your ass. We you love know, it was, Papa. It was out of love, yeah. <laughs> that was my dude, man. Well, moving on from 2017, what, you know, like, what is going on now? Like, what is in the plans and the works for you now? Like, what what can we expect from Brantley coming up? You think that you get to a certain point in life and in your career where things start to slow down a little bit. And that, that has not been the case for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have had a lot of staying power, which a lot of artists don't can't do that. There's blessing and a curse, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I feel like I'm grinding harder right now. I feel like I'm kind of back in the good old days again. Where I'm, not many favors going on right now. We're having to earn our keep, and mm. and but I appreciate that. I, you know, I have, I have a respect for that, and it's it's kind of like the thing where you know somebody gives you a car. You know, you see kids that give their first vehicle given to them, and kids that have to buy it. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, in five years, that kid that bought his car, that car is going to be in better shape than the one. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, so I, I don't have a problem with, with working harder for it. Um, what makes that hard is, is being away from my kids and, and not being home. I have a two week rule, but if I'm being completely transparent and honest, uh, there's some things not sitting right about how much time I've spent away from my kids and how much I've missed. Would you ever bring them on tour with you? We or? do. Yeah. If it's close to the house, but see, the thing is now they're both starting school. Amber's, uh, Amber's actually doing something pretty cool. It's like, uh, I was dead set against homeschooling my kids. Mm-hmm. I just, I wanted them to go to the high school I went to and, you know, learn social skills and all that stuff. But the more that I'm, I'm seeing about this, you know, some of the things that are being taught and also, that you know we're looking shootings. at these shootings mm-hmm. um I, I called my wife and i was i was talking to a good friend of mine about it was right after the uvalde thing happened and we had been talking about some different options for school and, and um i got some kind of some some details on that that shooting that weren't so public that that really man fucked me up for mm-hmm. for a week and a half solid mm-hmm. uh I just, man, I was mad. Aww. I was worried, scared, but 
just raging mad. Any sort of violence towards children is just unacceptable and it's just no. hard to stomach when i when that just happened here in nashville i was watching the news and i held it all together until i saw those little babies walking out of the school all holding hands and i fucking lost it like i just started bawling and i'm not an emotional person like that so to even see that i was just like dude what is going on in our world no and the, the justice system isn't isn't able to to hand justice out that those yeah. motherfuckers deserve in my opinion um, so is Amber going to homeschool them now? Or? She, so Amber is a teacher. She, mm-hmm. she, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what her degrees in teaching. And, and she was hot. teaching third, fourth, and fifth, right? <laughs> that is you really hot. My wife for a teacher. I would have got <laughs> shit done in that class. But, <laughs> right. Yeah, girl. Teacher got a booty. Yeah, no for a body. All yeah, of fuck. I wouldn't have got a damn thing done. <laughs> uh, but she, um, she had this idea for... Uh, it's like a micro school. It's like a homeschool school. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like basically the parents essentially are homeschooling the kids, but they do it through the school. And right. I don't want to speak on it too much as it is her thing. I don't want to right. take away from it one. Right. I don't want to explain it wrong. Right. Um, but it, it really started to appeal to me because I know she'll, you know, I have no she'll doubt they'll it. teach faith there. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, faith is extremely important to me and, and, kids too not so much i'm not as big on church as, as some are as mm-hmm. my religion. wife you're not big on religion but you're big on spirituality yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's how i am and my and you know i have to look at it like this too like my church experience is different i, I still live at home in a small town and when we we show up it's just it's it can be weird and i've had some weird church experiences too Same. but uh, spirituality and faith and believing in God is important to me, Absolutely. Uh, especially when it comes to my kids. And I, I have no doubt they'll, you know, they'll make sure that's that's intact to what they're learning. But yeah. I want my kids to learn history. I've got a godson, sixteen years old, has no idea, doesn't know a damn thing about World War Two, Vietnam, doesn't know anything about any of the generals or, or what went down or why it went down. Because they don't teach that in school anymore. Right. But and, wow. and I just think, man, that was one of the most important things I learned was history. You know, I love history and it teaches us, right, because it repeats itself right. indefinitely, but in the worst way. If you're not educated, you know, about it and how things happen, it, not only does it happen again, it happens again worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted them and to it's learn. Literally, literally happening right now. Right. Yeah, the world is a, cir- a, a circle, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I want, you know, I want my kids to, I want them to learn history. I also want them to learn how to do stuff outside, man. And, and yeah. we've got a new farm that's near near the house and near where the school's going to be. And they'll be able to do some stuff there, spend some time outside. But also, uh, these kids are going to be safe. Yeah, um, awesome. When I say there's going to be security there, I don't mean we're going to have a, a little man with a a piece <laughs> absolutely so you just got off tour with five finger death punch and you're about to go on tour with nickelback Shit's daddy wild, chatty right? daddy chatty <laughs> we all love daddy chatty here motherfucker's <laughs> a trip dude i, I love him you. we ever since jay sent me that video of him uh <laughs> what does he say 
silly bastard. <laughs> we say that to each other now all the time. If somebody does something, we're like, you silly bastard. This dude's a fucking trip, man. <laughs> He'll get me on FaceTime, and it's it's just fucking wild. <laughs> that tour's going to be interesting. I can't wait. We got to come see a show, like if our tour is crossed. Because when do you guys Dude, leave? I told him, you, you know, if I told him, and I'll tell you the same thing. Y'all are welcome anywhere I am. No. And if you're not, Same. I'll fucking leave. Aww. That, that uh, Y'all are family it. to me, man. And, and I told you, anytime we cross paths on the road, y'all are y'all got a yeah. home there. And when you do you guys that. go out? We leave in June. Okay, so we, we'll be right behind you. Then. Yeah, we're, so. we're out for three months. It's wow. it's a long one. Mm. Um, it'll probably be the last time I do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll tour. I'm not saying I'm going to retire from touring after right. this year, but... Uh, the the three month thing away from a three year old and a five year old, uh, it's just not something I'm yeah, probably gonna just, do again. Maybe you're just kind of ready to you know calm it down a little bit. I think on that side of things, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, on the career side of things, I think I I feel like there's in some ways I'm just getting started. This you know, your husband and I are working <laughs> on this project that I'm super stoked about. Do you have a name for the project yet? I think we're leaning towards co-defendants oh i love that <laughs> right is this kind of fitting um but I, I think you know we hadn't talked much about it yet and I, you know we kind of spilled a little tea in our own way in some different places but i mean this is a good place to talk about it, it you know i've been waiting for a long time for somebody to come into this space with that kind of authenticity um that's that real that has seen some shit and i'm telling you when we walked in i was a fan but when when i walked in the room and we shook hands well already we parked in the parking lot of the studio and there's dudes standing outside i know now it was boston and Mm. oh he always travels with security yeah another dude standing (laughs) out there and i look at these dudes and, and i ain't gonna say anybody's name or nothing but you know, when you spend some time around the right kind of company, you, you know eyes. Yeah, you know what's going on. And literally, I, I was like, okay. So, dude, I, I get it. And I walked in, and, and the minute, the minute, I, I mean, the minute we looked at each other, I feel like I'd known him all life. Like, mm-hmm. we just, I just knew the dude. You he know? loves you. To have a heart like he's got and a past that, that go hand in hand together and to be able to do what he's done and use that as a weapon against evil, man, to me is 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 something to behold. Mm. Um, and, and not to take anything away from any other artist in this, I'm not saying that yeah. he's the only real one on the block right no, now. Because there, everybody goes through real shit, right? You guys just are friends, you know? Yeah, we're friends. Other. But I do think that, man, that when it, when it comes to being real, I feel like there's an obsession right now in society that people are just obsessed with being real yeah I, 99% of them have no fucking clue what that those means. that claim it ain't it right I've always said that it's like dude your husband you don't hear your husband telling nobody that I mean mm-hmm. I, I'm giving him credit where credit's due yeah. you know his track record speaks for itself yeah. no he's but he, the things your husband's proud of mm-hmm. and the things he talks about and the things he's 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 writing songs about the uncomfortable stuff too mm-hmm. but in conversation with him and knowing where his life's at what his intentions are with his wife and the people around him like that's what makes it special to me no. you know yeah. you can there's there's real songwriters in every room there's real artists everywhere in this town but when when you're able to take not so pleasant experiences 
and and use them to help other people and to make change. Yes. I love him because he's making waves and and, and no doubt, I, I get excited. Anytime somebody comes on the scene that I can tell is just rock the boat some, yeah. I start getting excited. Yeah. Um, Dude, CMT is just embracing, the, you know, the country music. First of all, I married a fucking rapper, okay? <laughs> My husband pulled the biggest okey-doke in the world on his own wife. So we are now thrust into the fucking country world and... They just, they love him. It's either they love him or they are so confused. And I yeah. love it because it keeps people talking. You know, yeah, you don't let know them what's be confused. Yeah. Um, so do you have an album coming out? Anything oh, like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So before we get out of here? April the 21st, we've got the deluxe coming out of... Uh, <laughs> He's looking at his manager right now. <laughs> so help me God. Uh, the deluxe edition is coming out April 21st. Um. I'm actually going home today, but I'm coming back in three days, and and your husband and I are jumping in the studio yeah. for another week. I'm excited about that. I you guys too. always make magic, so I'm oh, excited yeah, to see dude. what you guys do. This, this round's going to be a motherfucker. So yeah. Son of the Dirty South did great. That. Oh, and he's still doing. Yeah. He's still making it. We're, we're, I'll play that fucker till the day I die. I love it. So. Yeah, love it. Um, so I'm looking forward to that project. I know he's he's got some stuff coming out, too. And, you know, I've another thing about getting into y'all's world it's been interesting i've i've actually been introduced to some folks in struggle and and adam calhoun and i love a cal oh dude man he's the best i'm telling you him and him and struggle both i I, I don't, have a I don't deep know about struggle, but I'm just, I, I, I know, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Strug. But y'all are good now, right? <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, totally I think kidding, the world struggle. of both of them dudes, and and I, I know they got some stuff going on, and. Uh, that, man, that's exciting to me, man. I, yeah. I feel like everything that's going on in our little camp yeah. right now in our little family you is exciting. You guys are like building a kind of like your own, I don't want to say genre, but your own f like whatever the fuck it is yeah like i can't i can't we can't put it in a box you know yeah. but it's different it's still country but it's completely different and it's just you guys it's outlaw shit you know the last time that happened mm -hmm. and worked mm -hmm. was when when shooters pops yeah and his buddies yeah did it and they did it right yeah um, absolutely and i think that you guys are really onto something here yeah so. and and here's the thing gas, we're not no trying breaks. to be Waylon and willie and, no. and it, but it's a totally different thing and yeah. i do think if it's unapologetic if we go about it the right way man the world loves outlaw but the world needs outlaws absolutely you gotta have us those of us that live outside the box are what gives you your fucking box yeah you know what I mean? And, and Absolutely. I feel like we can own that space and, and have a lot of fun doing it. Um, so, man, I'm stoked about that. I uh, stoked about being a dad and hubby and <laughs> getting on the road. The Nickelback tour is going to be awesome. And I think we've been in some talks about playing some more shows together Good. Uh, coming up. Yeah, well, Manili just walked in too, so we can talk to him. Yeah, <laughs> Manili's in here somewhere. What's up, my dude? <laughs> well, Brantley, thank you so much for coming by, babe. I appreciate no, thank you, you for so much. Me, I appreciate it more than you know. Why don't you tell people where they can find you? All your socials. I'm sure they already know where you are, but just show oh them yeah, out here. I can't get nobody my address. I show yeah. up like a crazy bitch from Texas. Uh, my manager's in the room. Give me all the shit. They don't, all right, so I'll tell you this. You can come in here. This may, this? this may disappoint some people, but yeah, I don't even have the fucking password to my social media. <laughs> What's they don't his website to, to send everybody to? Brantleygilbert.com. Brantleygilbert.com if you need anything. Be, what are you, Brantley Gilbert on Instagram, Brantley Gilbert on TikTok? I'm the same dude everywhere. There, just Google Brantley Gilbert and you'll That's find it. him.
Come I, on. I can't wait to have you back, Brantley. Let's Thank you do so it much. again. Yeah, baby. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Dumb Blonde. I will see you guys next week. Bye. Doesn't he remind you of Bussy? <laughs> That's our basset hound. <laughs>